0: (音楽) Thank you. podcast I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Brittany Brombacher. Hello. Hi. Christine Steimer. Hi, hi, hi. And the ghost of Alexa Ray Korea. No, just Ooh. kidding. So she's um she's a little under the weather. It's PAX. And so we said, get well. We need you in fighting shape for this weekend since we have such an amazing weekend planned at, at PAX West. So uh apologies that she is not here. She will be joining us though. For all of our festivities, speaking of which, let's just get right into housekeeping. Um, We have a bunch of panels happening. We have an event happening starting on a Friday in Seattle at PAX West. At 1 p.m., I am hosting the Life is Strange Before the Storm panel, where we're going to be doing a live playthrough. The dev team is going to be there. They're going to be talking about story details. It's going to be great. Brittany is hosting a panel. Britt, you want to tell the folks about it?
1: Yeah, the panel is called You're Going to Make It After All, Getting Into Games. So I'm on the panel, obviously, as as well as many amazing, awesome people. And we're going to talk about breaking into the industry, but more importantly, how to keep your sanity while doing it. Ooh, please Fantastic. give me these tips. That is Friday Alexa- at one thirty in the Sphinx Theater.
0: Yeah. Friday, one thirty. Put it in your calendar. Uh, Alexa Wright is hosting on the Boss Fight Books panel, which is also on Friday at 2 p.m., so we all have overlapping panels, which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> ah. um, but um, if you are around and you can come to one or partially all of them, that would be excellent. <laughs> She's also going to be signing her Kingdom Hearts 2 book at PAX West, if you haven't gotten a chance to pick that up yet. And then Steimer is going to be the hostess with the mostess at our launch party. That's right, The Life is Strange Before the th- launch party we are partnering with square enix we are super grateful they are sponsoring this amazing event friday night steimer what time is the party six to nine yeah nice (laughs) and we all have themed drinks which we're super excited about because it's at this really cool bar called unicorn which is in the cap hill neighborhood of downtown seattle so please come join us and then of course all four of us will be in force at our what's good games live panel at 5 p.m. on Saturday, September 2nd. We've gotten many questions from you guys on social media about whether or not we're going to be recording this panel. Yes, you will be able to listen to it after the fact. We are still working on the video portion of it, but we will definitely be audio recording it for sure. So, that said, did I miss any Pax housekeeping, ladies? N- I don't no. think so. Oh, yes, I did. Oh, you did? Oh. Sorry. I totally did. We're doing a really cool presentation oh. during our panel with Take This. Oh. And we are also going to be volunteering at the merch table in the AFK room that is sponsored by TakeThis.org on Sunday at 12 30 no 1 30. 1 30 p.m. is when we will be in the afk room so if you want to come by learn about mental health talk to the folks at take org, buy some really awesome merch they have some really cool pieces of merch including little wooden shields um that are all custom made that dr b was telling us about so um please come see us somewhere at pax west if you guys cannot make it to the show don't worry we'll be posting pics and videos and we'll be recording stuff and documenting the whole weekend and um It's going to be great. Uh, If you can't make it, don't forget you can still be part of our community at facebook.com slash what's good games. We've been getting a lot of new people signing up there, which is really excellent. We have some exclusive video content there. And, of course, our wonderful Patreon community at (laughs) patreon.com slash what's good games. Okay. Ladies. Yes. Some news happened this week. It sure did. (laughs) Ooh, ooh. <laughs> are, you, are you excited about it? No, this so is so excited. <laughs> this is what's going on. Is Jason is
1: downstairs cooking and it smells like cat food. Ooh, and so wait, I'm what? like, what I don't is know it what it, I, I don't know, but it smells kind of like cat food, and I feel I feel a little sick, but I'm
2: okay. I'm just gonna drink. <laughs> it's really
0: freaking <laughs> <So>, oh,
2: okay. <laughs> some, this is a, a, sl- a very quick tangent. Somebody brought back double salted black licorice from Europe. And I almost threw up, so that made me think of it.
0: Oh, and yeah, I like, just—it made me feel real queasy. I think black licorice is really kind of like an abomination piece of candy. <laughs> I agree <laughs>
2: oh, with yeah. you, one hundred percent. I think you have black to be. Licorice? Who are you, people? My aunt. She loves black licorice. I don't know if she likes salted black licorice, but.
0: Is she I, an I abomination? agree with you. I
2: think it's the weirdest
0: thing. Maybe people the salt like. makes it better. Generally, it doesn't. putting salt on stuffs it is was, universally a good thing. It was an assault on my tongue. <laughs> I did not like it. what you did there. Did you
1: an assault? Did you do that on purpose? An assault on my tongue. No, oh, I didn't. But forget it. Yes, All right. I told totally Moving did. on.
0: <laughs> All right, listen. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming up on the show today. We're about to jump into some news. After that, we have some hands-on impressions. We've got Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom battle. I played the Destiny two PC beta. I also did you play more Uncharted? Bit of something else you finished uncharted yeah me and brit did oh yes the call of duty world war ii multiplayer beta i also jumped into for a little bit so we'll talk about that and then the thing you've all been waiting for segment three will be a game of thrones (laughs) spoiler cast you've been warned now but don't worry it's still two segments away but once we get there i'll say it again but we will be talking about spoilers um okay Now, first news story. Britt, you put this on the rundown. It is the Walking Dead AR game. What is this abomination?
2: (laughs) Damn! Judgment (laughs) right from the get-go. But you're right.
0: (laughs) Ah, Okay. Sorry, not sorry? No, no, it's okay.
1: So, long story short, um, (laughs) Finland... Okay, so the next game is, is making this Walking Dead... AR game now this is significant because this is I think the first real um AR game based off of a huge property since Pokemon Go so everyone's kind of watching it like how is this going to like do what are it's zombies so I'm very excited about it naturally um did you want to read the news or do you want to just jump into discussion because I have things to say Sure.
0: so according to Polygon The Walking Dead R-World is a new augmented reality game on the way from Finland's Next Games. It will allow players to use their phones to find and kill zombies over... Hold on. Overlaid on top of the real world. Overlaid on top of the real world and it's compatible... Thank you. With both (laughs) iOS and Android devices. Now, there's not a release date, um, but it will be free to play. And Next Games says the app is coming soon. So the teaser trailer that we're about to discuss shows people wandering around with their mobile devices to collect weapons and kill zombies. At one point in the trailer, a player hides in a convenience store startled by sounds and flickering shadows coming from the back room. Later on, a player turns on their phone's flashlight feature to find their way through the dark hallway. Items appear to be placed in the world rather than just floating in space. And at one point in the trailer, a player picks up a katana that's resting on a picnic table. You know what that means. Michelle yeah. Slicey slice. So, okay. This is... um. It does say that this is Next Games' first experience working with the AMC franchise, and they're also the developers of The Walking Dead No Man's Land, a turn-based strategy title for iOS and Android. And the company has claimed that that game has been downloaded more than 16 million times.
2: Downloaded doesn't impress I mean, it's a nice number, but, like, how many okay. people are actively playing <laughs> okay, it's it? What's your I daily active tried. user number? <laughs> okay, if our podcasts
1: have been downloaded 16 million times, would you have been impressed? If nobody <laughs> like, listened to impressed. it, then no. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, so we've all... S- I made the ladies watch this. So there's the trailer itself, the reveal trailer, it looks... Okay, um, like Andrea said, you know, it shows people kind of going about their daily lives, and all of a sudden they whip up their phone, and then, oh my god, zombies, and someone's like diving over the room to grab a gun and shoot things, and, uh. but if there's what, something we learned from the Pokemon Go trailer, it's the actual experience isn't going to be a quarter as cool, I would say half, but that's an overstatement, as the actual trailer, and this trailer just didn't look all that impressive, but I was optimistic, and then I saw the gameplay trailer. And an article I read calls it another Stand and Tap Fest. And it looks like something out of the House of the Living Dead. Is it House of the Dead? House of the Dead, the oh, arcade game. Yeah, like that arcade
2: game, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like I said, it's just kind of interesting because it's like the first... Ne- it's the next AR game using a huge property. And it just looks like it's not good. Not good at all. And I, it's too bad. I, f- I feel a certain way.
0: Yeah, this did not look good at all so i encourage you to form your own opinion of the footage by watching the trailer it is quite short clearly trying to capitalize yeah on pokemon go um and it just like if only i could catch a zombie in a ball i don't know like i just the idea that you're like tapping the zombies on the head in order to like shoot crossbow bolts into them and having to use your flashlight feature like these games already are terrible at draining your battery enough as it is now
2: you're gonna make me turn my flashlight on what (laughs) you will have no battery at all yeah no that's actually the first thing I thought I was like you know I feel like AR games are not going to do as well until they sort out the phone battery situation because... Pokemon Go, one, I mean, there were a lot of reasons why I stopped playing it, but definitely one of them was my battery was dying insanely fast, and, like, I have to use it for other things, so I'm, I'm not about that life. But this, I agree with you, Andrea, I don't, and Britt, like, did nothing for me, and I also thought it was funny how they are like, Michelle needs our help, I'm like, she doesn't need your help. Michonne's like the one character in Walking Dead that can pretty much hold her own. She's doing just fine. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's just interesting to watch because I think with the success of Pokemon Go, obviously everyone wants a slice of that pie. Yeah. But... This industry, as you all know, is a very harsh one, and when you put out something like this, like that trailer and that gameplay trailer, it's just not a good look. But I mean, I like AR. I like, I like. I think it's a stepping stone to something much more immersive that's many years down the line. So I'm excited to try it out. I will play it uh, just to see what it's like, but.
2: something to keep our eyes on. Do we know how it's going to monetize? Because you said it's free to play. And I under... Like, Pokemon Go, the monetization makes sense to you. You need to buy more Pokeballs. Sure. Done. Like, that's a thing that would make sense. Or, like, items. But for The Walking Dead, you shouldn't be able to buy bullets (laughs) or items because it kind of breaks the storyline, doesn't
0: it? It does. I would imagine that they're going to give you some kind of a melee weapon to start out with that you don't need to buy. So that way you always have like a backup. But then if you want like a ranged weapon so you can take the zombies down from a distance, then maybe you're going to have to buy that.
2: But it doesn't it clearly doesn't You're seem going weird? to
0: have to unlock characters because they kind of hinted at that in the trailer. Like, oh, I've unlocked Michonne and I can take a photo with her and pose with her. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get, get like, dirty so real fast. Are they going to like it's going to be like pay to unlock other characters in the game? Right. We just don't know how the game plays or how it works.
1: We don't know. Like, can you take health? Like, can you take health damage? You know, do you have to try to find collectibles? Like, do you buy special bullets? I mean, we don't know anything about this game, which is another baffling reason why they released this trailer when they did. We know nothing about it. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see.
2: My issues there, are like, there's not that many characters in The Walking Dead. There's a, there's some, but there's certainly not 250. Pokemon, like, what, that's the original. Like, you're 150 is the original, and like now, God knows how many there are, 800 or something. Like, so to me, I'm like, I I'm just I really want to see how they're going to try and make money off of this because I don't see a lot of ways that it would make narrative sense sure. for you to want to spend money on. No I agree. We'll just have to see. We'll see.
0: All right, well, we'll have to download it when it comes out. Um, Okay, next story. Earlier this week, Nintendo had a nice little mini presentation all about the Nindies. That's the Indies on the Nintendo Switch. It sounds like a candy. Yeah, there were some pretty good announcements that actually came out of these. So we already knew about a couple of them. SteamWorld Dig 2 was revealed for Switch during a showcase stream earlier this spring. But there were plenty that we just found out about. First up, No More Heroes, Travis Strikes Again. So this is Suda51 and Grasshopper Manufacture, and it's a follow-up. Did either of you play the original uh, No More Heroes? No, no. Not really my jam. Yeah, it's it's a very culty kind of game. Um, but this is kind of an interesting one because... You play in six different games, and kind of, you're kind of not, it's not clear how that's going to work exactly um, and what Travis is doing and what other characters are going to be returning. Uh, the guy was playing Hotline Miami in the little piece of trailer that they showed today, which I thought was interesting uh, and um, oddly fitting. But uh, yeah, so that was a big one that's coming to Switch. This one, Super Meat Boy Forever, I thought looked really great. That's so this cute. Is, this is a follow up. And there is an additional character, and what's cool about it is that when you pass the level, it gets harder. So you can go back and keep playing the levels, and they'll get harder and harder, which I think is a little interesting. And then they'll have like daily challenges and some other cool stuff.
2: Did you guys play Super Meat Boy? No, play a little
1: bit of it. Yeah, it a little fun. bit, yeah. exactly.
2: Like, but that's like, not the type of game I typically go for because I get frustrated really quickly, you and don't I don't like being angry patient.
0: all the time. Stimer? I'm not the Salty. hulk. Simon.
2: <laughs> but um, the one thing that concerned me about Super Meat Boy uh, is that, like I've said several times on this podcast, I use the Switch as a purely handheld device, and I have to imagine it's not going to be that much fun to do with the Joy-Cons, because they aren't hyper-precise like um, the Pro Controller would be. Right. So it's a that's a little... Granted, I probably wouldn't pick this game out of this lineup anyway to play, but... That's one thing to note if you are a Super Meat Boy fan. I think you're probably going to want to play this on your TV with the Pro Controller.
1: Yeah, We're, definitely. You can't use uh, the Pro Controller mobile? I don't know. I've I never tried. You can. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to know if you knew no, for sure. Good, I, okay. I
2: just didn't want to carry it around. But Fair enough. Yeah. It's one more thing to carry.
0: It doesn't fit in your Sheikah Slate case. What it does are you not. Do about that? Exactly. Um... <laughs> <Right? laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Shovel Knight King of Cards is coming in early 2018. So this is, I believe, the final expansion for Shovel Knight, Mm -hmm. and features King Knight. Looks great. Adds a bunch of new stuff, new weapons, new characters, new levels. Uh, It looks pretty cool. Uh, The one that I'm most excited about, though, is the little elephant guy, Yono, Yono. the celestial
2: elephant. That looks looks so so cute. cute.
0: I can't get over how adorable he is. I
2: know that's the first thing. Ugh. So I went through. I just randomly selected trailers at this in the middle, during the middle of the day at work, <laughs> and that was one that I definitely looked at because it was an adorable little elephant stomping around and like throwing dynamite, which was funny. Um, and then the other game that I thought was super weird looking. Which one was it? I'm looking at the list.
0: It was Mom the one Hit My you- Game.
2: Well, that that too but no you can, you can talk about that one um the one where you're it's a multiplayer shooter and you as oh. you shoot the other people like your mask gets bigger or smaller morphe's law yes morphe's yeah. law so I thought this was actually a really interesting concept I think it looks ugly <laughs> like just I'm not into the art style but I was like oh it's actually kind of neat so um it's I assume what, is it four before or yeah yeah four v four before And if I were to shoot Brit in the head, it would take mass away from her head and add it to my head. So I would become like a massive bobblehead character. And so I think that's interesting because if you're doing well, your avatar becomes much larger and is an easier target. And if you're sort of losing, your avatar is smaller and you're harder to hit. So I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of a neat Mm -hmm. uh, mechanic. The okay. trailer was
1: like, if you're not being as successful, aka yeah. if you suck, if and they mean really to point out, you could take away mass from any
0: part of the body. They're like your butt, and I was like, you put butts in this trailer. It's Nintendo, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, well, mean, I mean, they put Hotline Miami very briefly in the trailer, so true.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, if they were me, I don't think I would be developing an arena shooter. I think there's enough going on. But, you know, it's an interesting concept. And, you know, you got to support the indies. So I hope it does well. It's, it looks cool. Did you guys look at Sausage
2: Sports Club? Did not. It, Which one was that? It's basically gang beasts, but with, like, dogs. Like, really cute. Like, there's one that looks like a corgi. But they're sort of the same shape as, like, those punching balloon things. Like, they're just a sil- cylindrical. Is that the word?
1: <laughs> is that the one of the floppy necks?
2: They're very floppy. They're, like, okay. super floppy, like, noodle characters, and you're trying to knock each other out. So, yeah, so it's Gang Beasts, but with slightly different characters, basically. Okay. At least that's what it looks um, like.
0: Let me run down the list really quick here. In addition to the ones we've already mentioned, there's also, as Britt said, Mom Hid My Game, which <laughs> is also on 3DS. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gulf Story, Floor Kids, Wolverblade, Blade, Poly Bridge, Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition, Earth Atlantis, Next Up Heroes, Malacca, uh, Dragon Marked for Death, Battle Chef Brigade, which I'm going to be playing at PAX, Morphe's Law, Sausage Sports Club, Light Fingers, Nine Parchments, and No More Heroes, as I already mentioned. Um, yeah, this is great. We're going to be playing some of these games at PAX West, mm-hmm. and we will give you guys those impressions next week.
1: Yeah, and good on Nintendo. They, I mean, only a few of those are exclusives, but they did have a lot of coming to Nintendo Switch first. <laughs> so, you know, good for them. You go,
0: Nintendo. Go on with your bad self. You go, Glenn Coco.
1: <laughs> I'm rooting exactly. for him.
0: Okay, next story. South Park, the fractured butthole, <laughs> got an ESRB rating, and the description for it is bonkers.net. Have either of you read this yet? Yes. I did.
2: Okay. <laughs> Only just like a few minutes ago.
0: That's I great. feel like I need to do a dramatic reading. But here, okay, <gasps> Yes, this. okay,
2: go for it. Do it. I love this idea. Okay.
0: So, the basic description is blood and gore, mature humor, nudity, sexual content, strong language, use of drugs, and violence, thus earning it an M for mature rating. No surprise there. <laughs> <laughs> nope. The real kicker is the rating summary as to why it was deemed to have all of these things and thus get its rating. Here we go. This is a role-playing game based on the animated South Park TV show in which players assume the role of a new kid in town embarking on an adventure to uncover an evil criminal element. Players engage in turn-based combat by moving around a grid and selecting attacks from a menu. Players use various weapons, e.g. blades, claws, blasts of energy, light, ice, lightning, and melee attacks during combat. Blood splatter effects occur often, and cutscenes occasionally depict cartoony dismemberment or decapitation. The game includes several stances of immature humor, racial humor, and sexual material. Characters are depicted urinating, and defecating. One extended sequence in a strip club depicts a character performing a lap dance while emitting flatulence. <laughs> One man in an alley. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> One scene depicts a towel character <laughs> 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 performing an obscured sex act on a man in an alley. <laughs> Another scene shows a man watching security monitors and repeatedly reaching for lubrication behind his desk. Oh, I love it. All sequences are depicted in a cartoony and over-the-top manner. Characters are sometimes depicted nude, e.g. breasts, buttocks, and male genitalia. During the course of the game, players can observe characters snorting lines of cocaine, and in one level, players must complete a quest to bring a marijuana prescription to a character. The words... I can't read all of these.
2: <laughs> the F word, the C word, the S word. Yeah,
0: the <laughs> words F word, C word, and shit, and r- racial epithets, which I'm definitely not going to read. Nope,
2: are heard in the dialogue. <laughs> I want to work for the ESRB and write this stuff because the, my know. favorite thing is like um, the lap dance. This character is performing a lap dance while emitting well, flatulence. Character. <laughs> yeah, the t- a towel character exactly. On um, the strip the club talent. scene, <laughs> I think
1: we've all done the strip club scene, right? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. that was incredible. That was so good. You're like giving this guy a lap dance and you're like trying to like fart and you're doing like the old like, school, like rotation on the jo- Yeah.
2: Grinding oh, on a so junk. Cool. Yeah. You're so like, good. go. Yeah. Uh, so, but, so, yeah, go, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I honestly think this sounds fairly tame compared to the stick of truth.
1: But yeah, that's what I'm, I was going to say. Um, oh, okay. I would highly encourage... I have the the link for the ESRB in the show rundown as well. But uh, read the Stick of Truth ESRB rating as well. I think it's a little funnier, actually. Britt, go for it. Why don't don't you do the dramatic reading? Yeah, do you have it up? I do have it up. (laughs) Yeah, you do. All right. (laughs) Are you ready for this? Yeah, girl. Lay it on me. (laughs) This is a role-playing adventure game based on the animated South Park TV show. Players assume the role of a new kid in town who embarks on various quests with other boys in the neighborhood. Players can engage in turn-based combat, selecting attacks from a menu screen. Players use various weapons, swords, baseball bats, hammers, magic spells, and melee attacks during fights. Blood splatter effects sometimes occur. Cutscenes occasionally depict cartoony characters dismembered or decapitated. The game includes several instances of mature humor and sexual material. One extended sequence depicts characters getting anally probed by alien creatures. Another sequence, in an abortion clinic, depicts doctors using a vacuum to perform procedures on male characters. One level takes place inside the rectum-slash-colon of a character. Sex toys, random objects, and fecal matter appear in the level. All sequences are depicted in a cartooning, over-the-top manner characters are occasionally depicted nude one extended sequence depicts an out-of-focus couple having sex in the background as players engage in turn-based battle in the foreground sexual moaning sounds slash dialogue is heard during the course of the game drug paraphernalia can be seen strewn about strewn around a lab and then it just keeps going but yeah
2: at first half a second there i thought it wasn't gonna mention the sex scene and i was about to be like what (laughs) (laughs) So good.
1: I love these games so much. I cannot wait for this game. Holy
0: crap. It's going to be a doozy of a game. It's going to be bonkers.net. What's interesting is um, I'm kind of finding games daily. Somebody asked if it was going to be censored because the first one was censored in Australia. And the Australian version of the ESRB confirmed that no, yes, there will not be any censoring in this wow. game. Wow! So That's go, Australian government. I govern govern it. wondering, great. Australian listeners and viewers of What's Good Games, going to get all of South Park, the fractured but whole in its glory. So, yes. I just wanted to read that because I thought it was funny. That is really funny. Um. i'm glad the esrb exists would you consider things in this description to be
2: spoilers uh only not for us because we played that demo so like i already knew about the strip club um i mean it is always a little bit spoilery but not to the extent that it would ruin the game in any way
1: no i mean like the towel character performing an obscured sex act like sure now we know about it but i think i'm kind of looking forward to it more because i think now it's i just in my head i haven't envisioned what it's going to be it's going to be Hilarious, yep. Lubrication behind his desk. Yeah, I mean, kind of, but not really, because I think the presentation of it is going to be a million times better when it's in context than just reading it,
2: yep, from
0: text. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. The original Xbox One model is now discontinued. Uh, uh. Surprising, no one. They write, Microsoft is no longer making the original Xbox One. The company confirmed to Glixel this week. They said, as is typical for the console industry, we stopped manufacturing the original Xbox One when we introduced the Xbox One S. The original Xbox One launched in November 2013, and the Xbox One S went up for sale last summer in August 2016. But it wasn't until this month that the last of the original Xbox One started running out in stores. You could no longer find the model in Microsoft's official store as of last week. The Xbox One X, which of course is the newer version of the console featuring more powerful components, is arriving in November. Pre-orders are currently open. But since the release of PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, Microsoft has been significantly behind Sony in terms of console sales. The PS4 Pro, a more powerful version of the PS4, was released last November, though PlayStation positioned it as a step-up purchase for fans of the system and not a replacement console. What's interesting about this, there's two things. First part. This isn't surprising that they're phasing out that giant ugly box. Right. Like, good. That's pretty normal. (laughs) Um, The second thing is, there was also another news story this week saying now, take this with a grain of salt because we don't know the exact details of this data, but that Xbox One X pre orders have outpaced PS4 Pro sales for 2017.
2: So that's fascinating to me because it doesn't have any software. And that's yeah. not, I mean, I, I love Xbox. It's not like me trying to be a jerk about it, but it's kind of true, yeah, especially because so n- they push the back down from
0: Amazon and it's list the Xbox One X ahead of the PS4 Pro. The mm. thing to note is that these numbers are just for 2017. So it doesn't include the launch window for PS4 Pro. So, yeah, that's important it's not- to remember. We don't know how many units they sold at holiday last year specifically and how PS4 Pro numbers overall stack up to what Xbox One X has done in pre-orders. But yeah, you know, you know it's funny about you saying you're surprised because it has no software. I mean, we've obviously talked about this on the show before. I put this off to Twitter and asked a bunch of people, like, what are you excited about for your Xbox One X? Like what do you think is the feature that's going to make you spend five hundred dollars to get this device when the Xbox One S can do so much of what the X does for half the price and it was, I was shocked by the amount of people that came back and were like, I can't wait to get my X I love that they're putting out all of these 4K updates for games that I already have it's got a 4K Blu-ray player it's got this and this and this and I was like, yeah, but, but is that mm. worth $500? I'm still trying to figure out what the thing is ladies, have you, have you pondered this, this question at all?
1: Yeah, and like I said, I think it was the last week. Uh, last week's podcast. I'm usually that one person who's like, I'm getting the new console. I'm getting all of the new things. Um, this is the first time that maybe I'm getting practical in my old age. I don't know, but this is the first time I'm kind of like, I, I, I don't, I don't need it. I'm very content with my Xbox One as it is. I don't think I need to pay five hundred dollars for. Better graphics at this point because to me that's what it boils down to um i don't have a 4k tv so i'm just kind of like eh. so i mean maybe all the guts for tech geeks out there are worth it but not to me it's, I've, I've pondered the same thing
2: yeah um i agree with you Britt, because i'm somebody number one i have a 4k tv so like this should appeal to me because i have the older gen or like the first gen of these consoles but i didn't get a ps4 pro And I don't see myself getting an Xbox One X because even though I know it will look prettier, that's not enough for me at this point because I think things look pretty good already.
1: Yeah, I agree. And this is kind of relevant to this. I was curious. So I'm like, okay, what did the original Xbox One launch unit look like? And so it was a 500 gig hard drive. It had the one controller, the connect sensor, and it was five hundred dollars. Nowadays, I don't even think they have a $500 bundle, $500 unit besides uh, the Xbox One X. But for $400, you get like a, you can get a 2-terabyte console. So now I understand why people wait. And I don't know why yeah. this isn't really... Cl- I get it, but I think actually like writing this down and looking at it, I'm like, oh, holy crap. I understand. Granted, I will never wait for a new console, but I get it.
2: Yeah, because kind of we're, we're in the industry, it's impossible for us to wait. But if you're right. the average consumer, by all means, you should because... Hardware gets cheaper over time. Hot
0: diggity damn. That's insane. Real cheaper. Well, I have to imagine that they're going to do some kind of bundle or promotion or something around Black Friday. I don't think they're going to discount The hardware, but I think they might throw in extra stuff. Like maybe you can get an extra game or maybe you can get a discount if you trade in. For example, GameStop normally does like trade in specials around Black Friday. Like bring in your Xbox One and you can trade up to an Xbox One X and you get like a trade credit or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. The trade in Xbox One S is
2: pretty great. I would (laughs) consider. The trade-in thing, but if I'm being honest with you, you guys both know how lazy I am. <laughs> I doubt I'll go into a GameStop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we could go together; it'll be fun. Okay. Um. All right. <laughs> um. There was like some other news happening this week, but I mean, uh, nothing like super exciting. So we're what we're gonna do is we're just gonna wrap this segment, and we are going to get right into. Hands-on. So, stay tuned, everybody. We will be right back with very interesting, thought-provoking discussion (laughs) for your ear holes right here. Chloe has a nice ass. We'll be right back. This episode of the What's Good Games podcast is brought to you by MacWeldon.com. Do you need something better than whatever you're wearing right now? And when I say whatever you're wearing, I'm talking about your underpants. That's right. We all know that we have those pairs that have just been worn probably one or more too many times. Do you need to upgrade? Guess what? Mac Weldon is here to help you. At MacWeldon.com, they believe in smart design premium fabrics, and a simple shopping experience. And guess what? They don't just have underwear. They've got shirts and they've got hoodies, sweatpants, socks, and even swim trunks. They also have a fantastic line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. So you know what that means? They eliminate odor because the last thing anybody wants is stinky pits or a stinky butt. You know you don't. So if you are looking to upgrade your men's essentials or ladies' You might like it too. Steimer swears by their boxer wreaths to sleep in. And I really like their soft t-shirts. You can head on over to MacWeldon.com. Go to your shopping cart. Make sure to enter in that special promo code WGG for 20% off your entire order. And guess what? If you order a pair of underwear and they are not the most comfortable pair you've ever worn, you could still keep it and they're going to refund you anyway. No questions asked. Check out all of the products they have available at MacWeldon.com. And don't forget that special promo code WGG at checkout for 20% off your order. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for sticking with us here on the What's Good Games podcast. We are going to now talk about some video games. Brittany, you wrote down in the show notes that you have completed Uncharted The Lost Legacy. I have.
2: And I know -er. Stammer.
0: spoiling anything... Uh, Yeah. What are your thoughts? Did you enjoy your experience? Were you happy with the outcome, the length of the game, the, you know, what happened with the characters?
1: Yeah. So last week, you and Steimer had a very interesting conversation about the characters. Um, My understanding, Andrea, is that you felt like the characters weren't written very well. Their chemistry wasn't that great. And Steimer was more like, I love this so much. It's wonderful. So I was really interested to go in. And see what my thoughts were, and I I'm leaning toward agreeing with Steimer on this one. Um, and let me know: Have you finished the game,
0: Andrea? First, first of all, I watched John finish it. Okay. I personally have not gotten to the final chapter yet.
1: Okay, so is okay? Spoiler free. Um, I thought the relationship and the chemistry between Nadine and Chloe was very interesting and it was kind of a breath of fresh air although I love the chemistry that you typically see between Nate and Soli you kind of know what to expect. It's very like, ha-ha, jokey-jokey, very witty one-liners, ha And it's fantastic and feel-goody. But I feel like with uh, Nadine and Chloe, you had two very strong women who had both seen some shit and been through some shit, and therefore they were very apprehensive to get to know people and let people inside their circle. And I think that was the chemistry, or lack thereof, that we were sensing. Um, I thought it was a very fresh take, and I enjoyed I enjoyed the story as it progressed, as you got to see different layers of these characters, and you got to see parts of them that you that were only revealed due to intimate conversations between the two of them um i i played it in one day i started at like maybe 9 a.m finished around like 10 it was kind of like pick it up and play as you could go as i could as i could and that's how i typically play all of my uncharted games Uh, i didn't want to put it down i was very engaged it did feel just like uncharted but i didn't find that to be a bad thing um very i enjoyed it a lot very good
2: yeah um You were saying how you didn't put it down like I stayed up till 2 a.m. finishing this and I don't do that for a lot of games at this point in my life. Usually I can like put them down and walk away. Um, Horizon did this to me obviously like Horizon really gripped me Uh, and I kind of had a similar feeling with this one. Once I once I made it over the hill of the open world map area which it starts out with is sort of slower in terms of their character development and their relationship development. Once you get past that part, it becomes more regular Uncharted, I would say. And you really start to get a flow with these characters and you really get to know them more. And that's when it, it really hooked me. Um, and the thing that I want to just say that I think I'm most impressed with is that they basically gave us something that's pretty close to the length of Uncharted 1 in a year. Mm. Like, this was not in development for very long. Um So I just think that that's super cool because there was, I noticed some people on Twitter who were a little bit critical of it and they were like, I just thought it was going to be more. And I'm like, how, but did we play the same? I don't understand that because I'm like, I don't know if we played the same thing Mm -hmm. because from what my standpoint, I got essentially an Uncharted 1, but as DLC a year after I got an Uncharted 4. That was a polish of
1: Uncharted 4. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, um, Andrea. Has your thoughts have they changed at all?
0: Well, I obviously haven't played through like the final chapters of the game yet, um, but I also haven't been drawn to play through it either. Where did you mm-hmm. stop? Like, was it were you still in the open spot, or were you past? I don't that? remember. Okay, I've been playing too much Zelda. Were you yeah. driving or not driving? <laughs> not driving. Okay.
2: So you're past that part then.
0: Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm not saying this game is a bad game. No. I'm just saying it doesn't have the charm of Uncharted 1 through 4. Um, and that I think that Naughty Dog and PlayStation maybe messaged just a little bit about trying to be like, this is a full standalone Uncharted game. I think that that's a false representation. I don't think this is a full standalone Uncharted game. Does it doesn't feel like one. It feels like a little add-on. It feels like a nice hearty expansion. It feels so much like Uncharted Four, the way the characters move, the way that they climb, the scene—they very clearly built this game with the skeleton of Uncharted Four underneath of it, which is not a bad thing.
2: They wouldn't have been able to make this in a year without doing totally. that. Totally, yeah. I'm so, not
0: saying that that's bad. I'm, I'm not, not saying that you're saying it's bad. <laughs> I'm just saying that this is the that it's frustrating that the expectations were mismanaged, and I'm not like. Upset with what I got, but I don't necessarily think that, you know, going out of your way like they did to call it a standalone game is what they should have done. And that was, that's my opinion on it. And that said, that being said, I don't think Nadine and Chloe were the best choices to be like buddy cops because Chloe is such a great character and Nadine is an interesting character, but together, they make a really weird kind of mishmash of personalities and trying to take somebody who was the villain in almost all of Uncharted 4 um, and then turn her into a good, a good guy. It, it, it was a little bit of a, of a leap for me in from a story perspective. That, that was my point again This is a perfectly fine game. There's nothing wrong with this game. It's not broken. It looks beautiful. The graphics are great. If you love Uncharted, you will not be disappointed with The Lost Legacy. I just was, I think, hoping for something a little bit more.
2: My question to you, Andrea, is did you stop playing and then watch John finish it? So you kind of missed a middle part there? No, I watched John finish it first. And then I started playing. So you watched him from start to finish? Yes. Oh, okay. Cause like for me I loved their progression. I loved their the way their relationship started off as like Britt mentioned. A little bit standoffish, a little bit like, I don't really trust you, but I'm doing this for the cash. Um, and then they sort of start to learn more about each other and they go through some things and like uh as being as yeah. big as possible, right? Um trying to not spoil anything, but I really I loved it and I thought that they had a really nice um I've said progression like 10 times, so I'm trying not to use that word again.
1: <laughs> no, I feel like the uh, the chemistry between the two of them is very believable and it's very real. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the most entertaining to watch. Sure. Yeah. Um, and something I would have liked to have seen in this, if it was... So here's the thing, is besides the teaser at PlayStation Experience when it was first revealed, I kind of stayed far, far away from this. So um, it's interesting for me to hear you say, Andrea, that it was marketed as like a standalone game. Uh, and if that, was, if that was my expectation going into it, I may think differently than I do now. For example, I really appreciated how in Uncharted 4, there were some towns and there was some downtime um, at Nate's house. Um, sometimes you got to like look around and sometimes where you weren't being constantly attacked by enemies. And I felt like in The Lost Legacy, there really wasn't a lot of that. And I feel like that would have helped. Uh, that would have been really crucial for story progression and character development as well. Maybe made it a little more believable, a little more entertaining. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like you said, not a, it's all these things aren't necessarily bad things, just have proper expectations.
2: Yeah, I think that's interesting that you say that Britt, about not having downtime because to me, I think Uncharted f- Uncharted 4 the main game's biggest issue was lack of editing. So to me Uncharted 4 was too long. Like they could have definitely cut some bits out. They did a little bit too much of the it's right around the corner, Benji and it's like no, it's not um it never would be because I'm only like hour 4 of this game. And, uh, I didn't feel that way with this one because it was much shorter, but you may have, maybe, you know, maybe it's Goldilocks, like Uncharted 4 was too long and this one was a little yeah. bit too short. So like maybe somewhere in the middle would have been a good sweet spot. Sweet spot.
0: Definitely. Um, if I finish it sometime in the near future, we can maybe revisit it. Um, and let's do a spoiler cast. Yeah, we could do that. Um, I don't know when I'm going to finish it cause we have packs and other stuff, (laughs) Mm because then Destiny is coming. Speaking of Destiny,
2: Destiny 2
0: had their PC beta, and boy, oh boy, is it a gorgeous-looking game on PC. (laughs) So I have spoken about Destiny 2 and about how I'm planning to play on PS4. Still my plan. But now, after playing with a DualShock 4 on my PC... In Destiny 2, I think I might have to play it there too. Oh. <laughs> you didn't is use it? your mouse and keyboard? So, listen, I'm never going to play Crucible on PC with my controller. It's just I will get wrecked. Yeah. But playing PvE stuff is no problem. Mm, like, that's the true. enemies aren't harder to shoot <laughs> with a controller <laughs> versus uh, a mouse and keyboard. You don't need precision to shoot the the fall uh what are they the cabal they are the red legion that's the name of the new which are basically cabal and red suits they're a cabal actually
2: um yeah so
0: (laughs) i i'm not worried about that because the most of destiny for me is the pve content it's going on the strikes it's doing the raids it's doing all of the open world patrol stuff goofing around in the social spaces dancing you know that, to me, is like... That's the Destiny experience. And I feel like I can absolutely do all of that with a controller on PC. Now, like I said, Crucible, no. I'm going to stick to Crucible on PS4 where <laughs> everyone's playing with a controller. <laughs> um, but it's, it begs the question of what is Bungie going to do about a lack of a cross-save option. So Mm -hmm. a lot of outlets have come forward with their impressions on the PC beta um, over the last several days since it's been live. And it almost universally has been praised by pretty much everyone. It's snappy. It's responsive. The graphics are crisp. The guns feel weighty. It really feels great on PC. And... What's really tough about this is you can't convince people who have a PS4 to buy a PC to play this game. PCs are just too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since you want to get a really powerful machine with an amazing graphics card because it looks so gorgeous running at um, like 100 frames per second. Technically, it's unlocked frame rate. But generally, that's kind Damn. of what you getting close to. Whereas of frames. On, co- on console, it's like a solid locked 30 frames per second. Also looks amazing... But not not as amazing. <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed my time playing through the story missions, um, checking out the farm, which is the social space um, in Destiny Two, and you know, kind of looking at the cutscenes. And I did, you know, attempt one crucible match. And I mean, I'm just not that great at crucible. I have to really sit down and commit several hours to a crucible session to get good. But also, like. Like I mentioned, the mouse and keyboard versus controller is – there's just no comparison there. So, um, you know, I'm torn (laughs) about this. I really wish that Destiny would offer – that Bungie would offer a way to have a cross-save. It's just so frustrating to think how many hours I had to put in the grind of the original Destiny and all of the expansions to think about having to do that on two two platforms – is is like daunting. It's a daunting task, and I don't know if I want to do it. Why? But, but it my question so is, is, why would PC? you play
2: on PC if nobody's playing there with you? Like, are you going to play uh, by yourself?
0: Oh, I have no doubt that we'll have plenty of what's good games. People <laughs> who are going to form a Destiny <laughs> Two PC clan. Sure. So,
1: so you know this, you're out
0: there. Is this all about how pretty it looks? Is that Sounds what like this it. Is? Well, I mean, a lot of it about uh, about the way it looks, but it also is just like it's the response is faster, it's snappier, it's like the guns feel a little bit like, clickier. I mean, like, one of the highlights, one of the standout features of Destiny is you get Bungie's incredible shooting mechanics. I mean, people who know first-person shooters inside and out, they're just buttery smooth. And... Imagine it more buttery <laughs> than, it, than it was, like extra butter on PC. Double butter and, me. Yeah, and I, I, I've, never, I've never had the draw to play an FPS on PC before. But man... I'm super tempted, and I don't know
1: what to do about it. So are you on the fence? You don't know. You're going to do PC or PS4, or for sure you're doing PS4. You're just well, tempted. Well, for sure I'm
0: doing PS4. No questions. I'm I'm getting it on PS4. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to buy <laughs> the PC version as well. Mm. Um, somebody on Twitter, I don't know, maybe it was Ben Cochera said, you know, if Bungie wanted to truly be evil, they would charge you to import your save onto PC, you know, from either Xbox One or from... PS4 and I'm like, that'd be the
2: worst move of all time.
0: Well, I wouldn't mind it if I didn't have to buy the game again. Mm. If mm. if I was paying for the ability to import my save, I would pay sixty bucks to import my Ooh. save, and then that would cover like the cost of the game. He said a hundred dollars, and I was that's like, ridiculous. that's ridiculous, much money. Yeah, um, unless you're like including the expansion pass or whatever, but. The crossing thing know. is frustrating because that's one of the beauties of Destiny is that they save all of your information in the cloud. So I have Destiny installed on four different PlayStation Fours because um, we've got the PS4 Slim, we've got the PS4 Pro, and then we've got two of the Destiny, the white custom Destiny special. Ooh, editions. those are pretty. They're gorgeous. I love it. (laughs) And so like before we got the Slim, which is the one we travel with now, uh, I used to travel with the White Destiny uh, console. And obviously the the Pro is relatively recent, and that just stays at home. It's too bulky to take on the road. So what's great about that, it, it means I don't have to be constantly moving my saves around up into the cloud and then bringing it back down to the console because Bungie saves all of your information in the cloud, so that way the companion app is so fantastic because you can pull up all of your information on the go on your phone and, you know, move inventory around your characters and stuff. I feel like the technology exists for them to allow you to bring your save to a different platform. I
2: just don't know why they're not doing it. Especially because they have their own platform system like you're talking about, like Bungie.net. You have to log into Bungie.net, even if you have a PlayStation account, like, to tie them together. So, And on PC, you're gonna use your Bungie account. So I'm like, why? Mm. I don't. I'm sure there's a reason, but I don't understand what it would be uh, because it's their own system. So Hmm. it theoretically should work. I mean, I'm not sure if they're not doing it because they're concerned about hacking or whatever. Or I don't even. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. Because it seems like there has to
0: be some kind of business reason behind it. I don't business, know what business, that business. business reason would be, but because I
2: feel like they yeah. could sell more copies of the game if they let people cross save. Right. Yeah. Or I mean, if they want it to be really nice, but they won't because they're you mean cross buy? <laughs> no. Yeah. Like make it cross by, too, because you would technically know that they owned it if they have they've bunge again, bungee account. Clearly, they own this game so you can download yeah. it now um, if- over here. If this was an Xbox One exclusive, that would make
0: sense, because, you know, Xbox One's big thing is the play anywhere, so you can play it on your Windows 10 PC or play it on your Xbox One. Right. Um, But this is a PlayStation-partner title and
2: has been since launch, so... But you could still do it because of the Bungie account, is my point. Like...
0: Right. You could, but that's why I have to believe somewhere along the line, somebody on one side, whether it's the Activision side... The Blizzard side, the PlayStation side, or the Bungie side—somebody in along the way it was
2: like, "No, we can't do it." Oh wait, no, they're using Blizzard. Or, yeah, they're uh, using the Battle. They're using BattleNet. Oh, I forgot. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I thought they were using Bungie because
0: so it's not available on Steam. It's it's through Blizzard's launcher. So
2: got it. That, mm. Okay, maybe honestly, that might be why. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> probably has something to do with that, but yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say, if you were on the fence about picking up if you have never played destiny and you're interested in destiny 2 and you are a pc gamer then i highly encourage you to check it out because it is so much fun and it looks great and it plays great and it feels great and god damn it if you let me down on the story bungee i'm still probably gonna love you but i'm gonna shake my fist at the sky
2: <laughs> <laughs> but we added more explosions oh gosh yeah
0: okay uh enough about destiny 2 uh, comes out next week. I'm going to stream it ah. when we're back. So next week. Uh, so uh, you guys probably noticed that we didn't have a stream yesterday. If you're listening to this on Friday. Sorry about that. We're in Seattle preparing for PAX. Um, but we will be streaming uh, next week. It will happen. Destiny yeah. stream will be
2: going down. I can play with you.
0: Yay. We'll fire team up. It'll yeah. be excellent. <laughs> um, Brid, you were playing Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Yeah. So I were was. you, Andrea? I was. Yeah. So were you, Steimer? Yeah. <laughs> we all, we all, we all it.
1: Yeah. I, I think about twenty-five percent of the way through. That is were a rough you done estimate. With the first world, then? I don't know. I must be. So well, here, you would know. I would know. If I would know, then no, I'm not. I just looked at the little, like you know, when you're loading your game, and it has like the yeah. percentages on the bottom. Did you fight a boss?
2: Yes. Okay, then yeah, Your past I- world won, at least.
1: Okay, I haven't gone past that point. I stopped at the boss. Okay, so it's a fine game. I can't say that I'm drawn to it like I thought I would be, and I'm not, I don't know what I was quite expecting. I watched Andrea play a bit. Was that at E3? That it was. was. Holy crap, time is flying. Um, and it's fine, and it plays well, and I have no real complaints about it. It's just not my kind of game game that i'm like super duper drawn to that i'm thinking about 24 7 um i will pick it up and i do have intentions to finish it but it's just not something i'm like dreaming about
2: but this is fine. like my perfect travel game because it's not something like you just said brit because i i mean i agree i'm not like champing at the bit to go play it right now but i am enjoying the game as i'm playing did you say it
0: Champing? yeah i think she actu- did
2: that's the actual term is it it's chomping yeah. no it's champing
0: It's chomping.
2: It's champing. Hold on. What do you say? I say chomping. Google it. I only know this because Dana Jongward of IGN taught me this, and she made me Google it, and sure enough, it's champing. God damn it. Now I have to Google
0: it. (laughs) I'm Googling (laughs) it, it
1: too.
2: Champing at the
0: bit. Um, It's a horse term. Fucking A. Oh, well. (laughs) Did you see it? Yes. Wait. The first post (laughs) says champing at the bit versus chomping at the bit.
2: I got to read. Yeah keep, hold going. On. Okay. yeah, keep talking. Um, so I think it's adorable. It's quirky. I'm getting to some of the deeper gameplay mechanic systems, like the skill tree just opened up for all of the characters. Um, I like that they're sort of hiding things around the world that you won't get to go to until later. Um, because you need to uh, like unlock abilities to make the little robot guy go there. Um and I think the character design is great. Like I I don't think that the boss Rabbit is a spoiler, the one that we both beat, Britt. Because I thought the, they've the seen monkey? him in promo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he and he, he's been in promos. He's been in promos. Yeah. So, yeah, the Donkey Kong Rabbit is amazing. Um, and I, this is, yeah, just something that I'm really excited to pick up and play when I'm on the go mm-hmm. and have a really fun session with. It's basically easier XCOM. Like infinitely yeah, easier, XCOM. And
1: that's what I've heard, and it's so incredibly charming. It definitely has that Nintendo charm, and the, this is my first like Rabbit experience. And it, they're so fun. I feel like I am a Rabbit.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I feel like I. Yeah, I, I
0: love the Rabbits.
2: They're yeah. great.
0: If I still had my Wii, I'd break out Raving Rabbids TV party. Maybe if the Switch eventually does virtual console, <laughs> please um, we, could, we could play it again. But I could also find it there's many other rabbits games we could play. They're great. I love them. So I stopped playing this game when I got to the first mid-boss. Okay. Which was the Chomper, the plant chomp um, yes, rabbid. Because the difficulty ramp and now I expected the first world to be easy. But I didn't expect the first world to dump me at a mid-boss and for the difficulty to just fucking ramp the fuck up. Wait, what? Like, really? Yeah. I died three times trying to figure out how to play, how to beat this mid-boss and then I put it down and went back to Zelda.
2: <laughs> really? Okay, yeah, I feel like really. maybe I should coach you because I found this game entire like, I beat the first boss and I'm like, this is easy.
0: Well, fine, Steimer. Maybe you will need to coach me. I you will coach you at stupid. PAX. i am my too, switch. <laughs> um... <laughs> The thing about it is, I agree that this is—it seems ripe for on the go for the Switch, right? So, I have um, I have docked my Switch for the first time since owning it to play Zelda on the big screen, and I was incredibly glad I did when I went after another Divine Beast. I was like, "Ooh, it's so big!" (laughs) Uh, um, The the what I love about Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle is it just feels really polished. Uh, The graphics are beautiful. The sound effects are quirky. It does a really nice job of blending these two universes together um, without feeling like it's an unfortunate mishmash. Like, it feels like they're meant to be in this world together. Mm -hmm. And I really think that, you know, Ubisoft took a lot of care to make sure that they treated the Mushroom Kingdom and all of its inhabitants with the, you know, respect that a franchise like Super Mario Bros. deserves.
2: Yes, they did an excellent job. <laughs> <laughs> good job, but I, yeah. I, I, Yeah, I think the systems that they put in place, too, um, will offer, like, some good depth and, like, will keep you going. So I'm interested in that. And I also kind of want to play around with the verses stuff. So yeah. if you guys are bringing your Switches to packs, we can try I'm not
0: it. playing you, timer You just called it easy, and I stopped at the first <laughs> time. You can play with somebody else. <laughs> I'll play with Britt. Yeah, we can be yeah. co-op buddies. Co-op yeah, well, also, co-op yeah, you bodies. can play
2: co-op, but we, oh, we can teach you through that yay
1: but no it's really cute i think if it wasn't for the mario and the mushroom kingdom shenanigans i probably wouldn't be very into this game um but because it is so damn charming and it is like laugh out loud funny to me i think the animations of the rabbits especially the donkey kong rabbit hilarious uh i yeah like i said i have intentions to finish it it's a fine game it's fun just not the kind of game where i'm like oh if anything it's getting me excited for a mario odyssey because I love the surrounding world and the details and little Marioisms, and it's like I want to go explore that. It's weird not to be able to jump in a Mario game. I'm struggling with that a bit.
2: Oh, you can, you can. Um, if you invest in a Mario's one of one of the perks in his skill tree, you can use the jump like with the other characters, and you can bounce on um, enemies' heads. I'm talking about man-small. when you're
1: like wandering the the land.
2: Oh, I, yeah, but I'm just yeah. saying you can sort of you can sort of have the splat satisfaction. Just only I know, in Samer,
1: stop mansplaining me. I know. Wow, What? Oh, <laughs> <you> <laughs> it was a joke. No. It was a joke. It was a bad joke.
2: LOL. I didn't know if you'd gotten that far in the skill tree yet. That's all. I love you, girl.
0: We'll, <laughs> hug, it, we'll hug it out tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No fighting. Um, okay. So. To go back to champing versus chomping. Oh, oh. Yeah, this, is, this is why I was
1: spaced out a little earlier. I was like, uh, you're right, Samer. Damn it.
0: No, no, hold on. Oh. It's, just, it's morphed let me to chomping read, let me over time. real quick. One de- definition of bit is a metal mouthpiece used for controlling a horse. And one mm-hmm. definition of champ is is to bite or chew noisily. These are the senses meant in the idiom champing at the bit, which refers to the tendency of some horses to chew on the bit when impatient or eager. In its figurative sense, it means to show impatience while delayed or just to be eager to start. The idiom is usually written chomping at the bit and some people consider this spelling wrong but chomp can also mean to bite or chew noisily though chomped things are often eaten while champed things are not so chomp at the bit means roughly the same as champ at the bit in fact chomp which began as a variant of champ is alive in english while the biting related sense of champ is dead outside this idiom (sighs) So it's no wonder that chomping at the bit is about 20 times as common as champing at the bit on the web. Champing at the bit can sound funny to people who aren't familiar with the idiom or the <laughs> obsolete sense of champ. While most English speakers can infer the meaning of chomping at the bit.
2: Yes. No, it's 100% correct. And when, um, when Dana first from the corrected me... <laughs> I was like, it surely is not champing. Like, I was the same. I did the exact same thing you both did. I was like, no. Here's the thing. (laughs) I would tell your friend at IGN
0: whether she's still there or not. She's not not there anymore. Hey, get down off your high horse. Pun fucking intended. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Champing is clearly, as it says here, a word that's dead in the English language. Nobody uses it. So to be like, "Um, excuse me, you're saying the idiom wrong is like, come on.
1: Come Come on.
2: What's but like champing? it? Champing,
0: champing.
1: No, to be fair, I wasn't champing. trying to
2: say you guys were wrong. I'm just saying the original term was champing, and it's now like it's like sort of more. like at
0: at versus at at. We're both
2: right. Yes, exactly. Exactly, one hundred percent.
0: Did you ask? everybody went. Oh, that's just <laughs> okay. Before we move on to the final segment. Um, I wanted to just quickly touch on the Call of Duty World War II multiplayer beta that happened. Uh, I played on the PlayStation 4. Uh, The game runs very smooth. The graphics look excellent. Man, I fucking suck at
1: Call of Duty. (laughs)
0: If anything was more apparent, it's that I am terrible at Call of Duty multiplayer, and that is why I do not play it. I only play the single-player campaigns, which are fun, bombastic, popcorn, action flicks of campaigns. Um, I've always really appreciated um, the work that the various studios who work under the Call of Duty banner with Activision and do in these really fantastic campaigns. And clearly they're not going to, you know, put out that out for the beta. They don't need that. They need to stress test their servers. Um, and I am realizing as I was playing exactly why I don't play it. And like the gameplay is just too fast. Um, and when I say that, I mean like, I feel like I run out and I'm immediately shot before I can even get to where the action is. And I, I specifically played Domination, which is like, you know, you capture the control points or whatever, because I was like, I I need an objective to make me feel like I'm contributing. Just straight up deathmatch is just too much of a free for all for me. But I I really struggled with the progression system with your guns, because you really are kind of forced to fail quite a bit in the beginning of the progression, because you are just going to get outgunned by people who have unlocked better weapons than you. And that, to me, is the frustrating part about Call of Duty multiplayer and why I choose not to spend very much time playing it. Because unlike the Crucible in Destiny, where I get to bring my PvE weapons that I've earned over hours of playing PvE and that I've gotten to practice with... I can bring those in and I can pick and choose which ones I want. In Call of Duty, the progression in multiplayer is completely separate than the progression in the campaign. If I could play through the entire campaign in Call of Duty World War II and bring everything that I've unlocked or played with, you know, in the campaign over into multiplayer, I think that would be fantastic. But that's just never the way that they've run their progression in multiplayer. And I think that that's alienating to a lot of people out there who enjoy FPS games like I do and who enjoy playing campaigns, especially ones as cinematically beautiful and graphically fantastic, if that's even a phrase that grammatically makes sense. It is now. (laughs) um, As, you know, the Call of Duty franchise. So, um, you know, clearly fans are liking the direction of having it being set in World War II, but it clearly has changed the pace of multiplayer, and there are some really funny GIFs and memes going around about people missing the jetpack because this is World War Two. There are no <laughs> jetpacks. Um, so this really it, different movement system that we saw in the last few iterations of the multiplayer of Call of Duty is gone because it needs to be true to World War II, um, and that's true for the weapons too. You know, like these are historically accurate weapons, and so they aren't as fancy and as bombastic as some of these cool futuristic things that we've got. But you know, the um, the kill streak items return, and you know the different roles um, are they've kind of changed up the way that they're doing the progression and multiplayer this time around. But um, overall, like it feels very call of duty but if you are a big fan of the pvp section of call of duty i would encourage you to maybe take some time looking at the changes because if you played a lot of infinite warfare um you're probably going to be in for a little bit of a rude awakening when you get into world war
1: Ah. I, i tried call of duty multiplayer once many a moon ago probably eight years ago and I thought I was a badass because I completed the Call of Duty campaign on normal difficulty with no issue at all, and uh, I was very humbled that day. That is my Call of Duty <laughs> multiplayer
0: story. <laughs>
2: it's, it's not good. Yeah, I watched it's... some. Oh, yeah. No, no, just, go ahead, Steimer. I just watched some of the gameplay. <laughs> Somebody was streaming the this beta, and I just watched for a little bit um, in bed, and I was like, "Yep." To me, like as a not Call of Duty player, I'm like, "Looks like Call of Duty." People are killing each other really quickly, and I would never I would not last like two seconds of this. Now.
1: But no, I'm excited for the Call of Duty fans of the world. Sounds like people have been enjoying it. Uh, good for you. That's all I got. Yep. Yay, right.
0: <laughs> Well, with that, we are going to end the second segment, and we are going to take another short break. When we come back, it's time. Peter Dinklage Peter Dinklage
2: Peter Dinklage Peter Dinklage da stay tuned I'm sorry we'll
0: be right back this episode of the What's Good Games podcast is brought to you by takethis.org hey listen everyone struggles to feel good sometimes feeling depressed after a breakup or anxious about a job interview is part of life and for some people those feelings never really go away Or they get worse over time. If that sounds like you or someone you know, you're not alone. And there's help. At TakeThis.org, our friends at TakeThis have collected advice and articles from mental health workers and other people who've been there. From advice on how to find a therapist to when to know it's time to get help. TakeThis.org is a treasure trove of information about your brain and what to do when it hurts. Take This has been working to bring the mental health care community and the video game community together since 2012. If you or someone you love could use some perspective, visit them at takethis.org. And if you have the resources to donate or volunteer, takethis.org is where you do that too. It's dangerous to go alone. Take This. Welcome back, everybody. This has been a segment we have been very excited to do so at the beginning of season seven of game of thrones we talked about our expectations our hopes our dreams (laughs) and now the season has ended and we're gonna have a spoiler cast so in case you missed me saying this twice already we're gonna be talking about game of thrones season seven spoilers including the finale if you haven't yet watched this and you don't want to be spoiled now's a good time to head on over to patreon.com slash what's good games, or maybe youtube.com slash what's good games, or maybe you want to go to our Twitter account at what's good underscore games, or better yet, maybe you want to check out our Facebook at facebook.com slash what's good games. <laughs> yeah, girl. Did I say uh, that already? You did. So yeah, you. yeah, I don't know. Nice. But yeah. Anyway, you don't want to be here. Come back and revisit this episode sometime.
2: Yeah, and All also right. to clarify, our first discussion of Game of Thrones was a secret segment, so that was Patreon only. Oh, look at that. So I guess you
0: should go to, should go to patreon.com <laughs> to games and unlock the secret segment. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Oh, which by the way, we are in talks to make past secret segments public. Um, Britt, do you want to talk about those plans? Should we wait to talk about those plans?
1: Oh, we can talk. We'll make, obviously, a post in Patreon. All, all So everyone will be aware. But yeah, the plan is um, we want to leave those secret segments exclusive to Patreon for a month. And then we will open up to the public eyeballs. And there are many reasons for this. We probably shouldn't go into those right here, right now. But we will definitely elaborate on those reasons in our Patreon post.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Season 7. Wow. What a roller coaster of a season. And the finale was fantastic. I was incredibly happy with the way that everything ended. Were there a few criticisms? Yes. Did this whole season have some major plot point problems? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but damn, it was the most exciting Game of Thrones season yet. Steimer, what yeah. are your thoughts?
2: Uh, my thoughts were at the beginning of the season, I was super amped for, like, everything that was happening. I was like, yes, yes, this is, like you just said, this is the most exciting season ever. Um And things are happening now, and it's not taking forever. And then the last two episodes, it got to me a little bit. And I was a bit um less enthused and kind of, I guess, like, a, a criticism I've seen around the web, and I, I think this is definitely true, is it got a bit too fanfiction-y? Or, like, a bit too... Um, Grituist? fan service. Too much fan service, and I was, was like, "Is everyone banging everyone?" was banging everyone, but there was very little banging this season until the last episode. There were t- two scenes this season that I can think of: Grey Worm and um, wow, Missande? I can't remember her name. What Masandi. and Misandie? Yeah, Grey Worm and Misandie, and then um, obviously Dan and John dan and john wow (laughs) danny and john (laughs) um the like the last thing that happens which so i don't think did you watch it between
0: cersei and jamie where they're in bed together and she gets like a knock on the door from one of her like handmaids and he's like don't answer it like we can't be seen together like this and she's like bitch I'm the fucking queen of Westeros. I will do what I want. I and don't the remember that scene. comes in and Jamie's like super uncomfortable, and the maids like, "Hey, Jamie," and then she leaves. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, I don't. Which is weird. I'm like, wait, how did I miss that? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I just see Lena Headey's butt. It is a nice butt. Jon Snow good. also has a nice butt. Oh my gosh, we could just talk about butts, but we're, <laughs> we digress. Yes. Continue, Steimer.
2: Oh no, I would asked Britt a question. I wasn't sure if. Mm.
1: Oh, right, right, right. Um, we should preface this discussion with, I only saw the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones. However, I love watching Twitter. I love reading the BuzzFeed articles about all the latest and greatest. I saw the last sex scene, glorious. I know that's kind of weird for certain reasons, but... Nope, um, not weird man. at all. Well, no, 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 because no, aren't they related? Yes, but... But... Yes, let's, let's okay. jump right into so, the so, incest so comment. So, Shall let we? me just say, I am here... <laughs> the I am here to drink, not along, and tune in when we're talking about butts. In sexual intercourse between yeah, characters continue <laughs> you you can score the butts
2: <laughs> Um. so the whole incest thing of like oh it's her it's his aunt blah blah I'm like yeah but you gotta think back then it's not unusual to have that I mean maybe that's slightly close but for the most part there was incest in these royal families like, like that's how they were would you like to know the definition of the word incest
0: yes yeah. I did sexual relations between people classed as being too closely related to marry each other. So... so oh, that, I thought there was the other, more. I was according <laughs> to the Merriam-Webster, what this means is their definition is sexual intercourse between persons so closely related that they are forbidden by law to marry. So, okay. it, under ha- that definition, Merriam-Webster, the dictionary, uh, technically, it's not incest because... Their wedding would be legal in Westeros.
2: Would it uh, Yeah, I guess. What? You're right. In Westeros, in that world, yes, it Targaryens would be legal. Targaryens have done that for centuries. Yes, they've. Yes, they didn't they marry brother to sister, or mm-hmm. was that too close? Was it? They married. They did marry very I think close. So. The Targaryens tended to keep it in the fam, <laughs> um, and maybe not as like as close as Jaime and Cersei. Like that might be. You know, it's I mean, it obviously is weird. It's, it
0: has a, a, a level of weirdness that everyone's uncomfortable with, except for them. Yeah. I mean, they were in the womb together. Yeah. yeah. That's like yeah. a little like I mean, <laughs> brother and sister is close. But twins is like real close. Real, I'm sure real that we close. have at least one set of twins who listens to the show. Please write into us. <laughs> com. <laughs> com. Tell us your feelings on twins. And if you and your right mind could ever imagine. I'm going to ask you to do the unthinkable. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> Explain if this would be a possibility for you.
2: Oh, my God. I have okay. a feeling you're going to say no. So
1: aunt and nephew banged. Danny yes. and John.
2: But they're the simil- of similar age. So she... so, And this is the part that I think is sort of weird. Like, when people think it's his aunt, like, you would think of somebody older, right? Like, an aunt and a nephew. Sure. But no, they're, like, they're of a similar age. It's sort of a situation like... Um, my father and my aunt that I have down here. She's not actually my aunt. She's my great aunt, and she is uh, more closely like related. She's my dad's aunt, but they're same the same age because she was born much later in the life cycle.
1: So because <laughs> they production. are the same age, and because it is of that fictional world, it's not weird. Like people, the viewers weren't turned off by that. If anything it sounds like they were turned on. Correct. Uh, Okay, so that can't be the most exciting thing that happened, though. I want to know. I mean, it was pretty exciting, mostly because
0: he he does have a really nice butt. But but what does that symbolize? The reason why it's important is, is because in his voiceover, when Sam is talking to... Bran. Bran about this, he says that technically, Jon Snow, or... Aegon Targaryen, as his name is, you know, kind of we find out in the finale, is the rightful heir to the Iron Throne, which means if he's the rightful heir, Daenerys can't be the rightful heir. Right. And she gonna be mad. She gonna be real mad that she's gone through all of this work and has amassed this army. And she has all of these followers. And she's like that. I'm going to rule Westeros. I'm meant to be queen. And not only that, I'm the last Targaryen. And it's like, (laughs) <laughs> so she, no, doesn't she doesn't know. She doesn't, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Neither of them know, which is why they hooked up because they don't know. I'm really excited to see how though they're going to handle it when they find out.
2: <laughs> yeah, that fall will be nice. But here's my question to you, Andrea: is like for everyone's like, oh, it's going to like put a rift in their relationship because like you said, like Danny's going to be like, oh my god, my whole life is a lie, essentially. Um, but John is not a power hungry guy. No. John, of all people, would probably be more likely to say, you know what? Take it. Like, you clearly want this more than I do. Right, but and that's I'm just not the being... way of the
0: world, right? Look at what happened with Theo. But if he doesn't Yara. tell
2: anybody, he still can be Jon Snow. Who knows? Sam and Bran. Like, they don't need to tell anyone. They can just continue life that way. This is what's gonna happen. Okay, Jon- go for it, Brett.
1: John's gonna be like eh, you know, this is a lot to take on. Why don't you, Danny, Just Amelia Clark, freaking gorgeous woman, why don't oh you take totally. the throne and I will I will collect royalties and we will form a relationship. It'll be like in Dragon Age Origins where if Al- if you're an elf and, <laughs> and Alistair is the king, you can't publicly be known. It can't be known that they're a thing, but behind the
2: scenes, there's some freaky-dicky shit going on. You could be the mistress. But here's the thing to me, too. I'm like, uh, you see Tyrion looking a little bit um, displeased with the fact that they are banging in the ship. And I think because, you know, he senses like, uh oh, this was once a political relationship and now it is a sexual relationship. And how is this going to work? Um, but to me, I'm like, but wouldn't that just you could like marry them and then everything is fine. Can Danny right? get pregnant? We don't know yet. She says she can't, but Dan- John, this was the best when Do- Jon Snow was like, "Have you considered she may have lied to you?" And basically, like, challenge accepted. Like, let's <laughs> now, let's so rock and reason, roll. The
0: reason the reason why Danny can't get pregnant, according to the lore of the book, is that the like the Magi, the woman who tried to save, called um, Drogo,
2: Drogo,
0: used blood magic to essentially kill the baby that was in her womb. Mm -hmm. The son that was supposed to like mount the world or whatever this this stallion that she was supposed to to give birth to when she was Khaleesi. uh, And this sorceress, witch like killed the baby in her womb and scarred her womb essentially making her barren for the rest of her life as like a blood sacrifice to to save the life of Kal Drogo. And Except that didn't we all even know work. how that turned out. He was a vegetable. Yeah. And then she had to kill him because she couldn't see this powerful, you know, horse lord just like vegetable town. And <laughs> it was real sad. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like it yeah. me out. But so she is she's like by all accounts considered barren. In the book lore, yes. However, they've done some things in the show. In the the, the show lore, too, they've upheld that, that she's not supposed to be able to have children at all. Of course, it's Game of Thrones. Jon Snow came back from the dead. Granted, they did use a canical device, the Lord of Light and the Red Priestess, (laughs) and that could, the same thing, like brought Beric Dondarrion back more than once. So it could potentially be that she could maybe get pregnant, but I would be really shocked if they flew in the face of this this ideology that they've established that she's barren because of this blood magic thing that happened.
2: I would be surprised if she was, I think after this season, I wouldn't be surprised if they went back on it just because, like I said, I think the showrunners kind of went a little bit and and there was a really good point. Someone, what they went a bit fanficy. They went a bit fanficy and there was so much what people would call plot armor on the characters that people didn't really die this season. Granted, not that many people left. But there were certain situations that they put the characters in where they absolutely should have died. Absolutely 1,000%. Jon Snow should be dead again. Like, there is no reason that he would have been... So, Brit, um, like, there's a there's a, a part where they're sort of stuck up in the north, uh, beyond the wall, and they are marooned on this island of ice because they're surrounded by whites and the White Walkers. And the only reason that the they're... The dead, of the so- dead, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the only reason they're somewhat safe is because the weight of all the whites like cracked the ice around them and they all started to sink in. So they stopped Mm. uh, progressing. So there's like this weird standoff moment where they're all like, just like, well, we might die here, freeze to death. Mm -hmm. Um, And Jon Snow at the end of that, blah, 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 fast forward. Jon Snow at some point as everybody's escaping um, falls through the ice like, and is in the freezing cold water for a significant amount of time, I would say. And he's pulled down by a white, and but then like as conveniently as soon as the method of transport, Daenerys flies in on a dragon, saves them. Uh, Another dragon is killed. Anyways, as they're flying away, like they're clearly gone, and then it seems like three minutes later, Jon Snow comes up out of the ice and on the water with his. I have risen. Yeah, and I'm like, no. Okay, so.
0: the whole scene that whole scene is problematic for a variety of reasons. First, yes. in the finale, they make a big whoop de do about the fact that the whites can't swim. Euron Greyjoy says, I'm going to sail back to my island. If they can't swim, they can't get to the Ironborn. I'm going to wait out winter and when I come back, I'll deal with whoever's left. He tells Daenerys, hey, you go back to your island, I'll go back to mine and when winter's over, you know, we'll like fuck our brains out and we'll rule everything. And Daenerys, of course, like gives him the bird with her eyes as she should because Euron Mm -hmm. is gross. But like, the thing that's problematic is in the scene where Jon Snow is on the ice island with you know the the rest of the uh, Westerosi Avengers is that he <laughs> the whites are swimming underwater and pull Jon down. Now they're not like fucking doing the backstroke or anything crazy, <laughs> but they're in the water and they're moving around. Yeah, and so like, can they not swim? And then a lot of people brought up the fact that how did the dragon get the chains on him? Where did they get the chains and who put them on the dragon in order to be able to pull the carcass of the dead dragon out of the water so that the Night King could transition him into like ice zombie
2: dragon? Um, I can see how they could easily put them on like the chains put on and that's it. But your first question is the bigger one. Where did they get these chains? Um, Because what you can do is you can just like basically sacrifice the pawns, right? Like send the whites down the water. They're not coming back up, but who cares? You get the dragon out of it. Right. They tie it down, you know, at the bottom, and then live there forever. I guess. Like, I don't really know. Are they just chilling at the bottom of the lake. Yeah, because they're they're not dead. So yeah. I think I think the the thing that
0: is that um, I there's just a the the big the biggest problem with this season is is these little these little cracks have have amassed to a point where we really as fans have to suspend our disbelief even more so than we normally do with a fantasy series because they're taking liberties. And I think the fanfic criticisms are 100% valid. I think that it's clear the showrunners have no source material to go from anymore. Yep. I don't believe that George R.R. R. Martin is heavily involved in the scripting that's happening. I think he's there in a consultation capacity, but we already know as fans who like me, who've read the books, we already know that the show has diverted from the storylines in the books quite severely in many cases. And so you can't really compare, but I have to believe that a lot of the things that we saw in the season, like the, like the major plot lines will stay the same, but like the filler will be a little bit different.
2: Absolutely. Um, and the other main criticism besides the fanfic point is the time travel or like not time travel, but essentially characters are now teleporting around the map. Right. Like before in prior seasons, it took forever. It, they showed like how long or they they made you feel how long it took to get from one part of the world to the other. Relationships along those journeys. I mean, almost all of
0: Arya's storyline takes place on the journey that she uh, takes with the hound and with meat pie yeah <laughs> think about how long that whole exposition took and that
2: was them leaving king's landing right and totally and uh there was a funny map that i saw and it was like john snow's travel and it's and then the, <laughs> the army of the dead's travel and it was like this match like they just <laughs>
0: right that that totally is super inconsistent it was really frustrating that everybody else could teleport, but the Army of the Dead was at Hard Home, which according to the map of the world, is not that far from the exactly. wall. Exactly. And then what they did is they just kind of just like meandered around in the in the woods for the entire season. <laughs> that was a, a point that I was a little bit upset about. I had hoped that there would have been more conflict with the White Walker army in the season. And really there was just two things. There was the scene with you know the Avengers on the ice where the dragon was defeated, and then there was the final scene of the entire season where they finally came and destroyed, used the dragon that had the been undead converted dragon. into a, a White Walker dragon <laughs> into destroying part of the wall, and the army has now breached the wall. And so they didn't really address the fact that the wall is supposed to have bedrock magic in it, and the whites are not supposed to even be able to cross the wall. And that they were able to so easily destroy the wall with one dragon. And what is
2: he breathing? Is it fire? But it's blue. It's is it like magic blue fire? fire? Blue like, fire. Blue fire. But the thing, though, like, yes, it's the wall is supposed to have some sort of magic in it. You're right. But I don't think anybody expected an undead dragon. Like, I feel like <laughs> that may have been the el- the chess piece element people weren't expecting. That seems like and a I- cop out, though. Oh, I mean, of It 100% course. is. Thank you, Britt. But... The yeah, I guess the other issue I had related to this whole storyline was the, t- in my opinion, stupid idea to be like, let's go catch a white and bring it back to King's Landing because I'm like, if Daenerys doesn't believe me, why doesn't she just get on a dragon and go fly and see? Huh? And then like just go do some recon, right? Like just go look and bounce, like, and you don't have to fight anything. Now you won't convince Cersei, but obviously, as we saw, you weren't going to convince her anyway. No, um, so there was really no point in the entire meeting trying to convince Cersei to have a truce or to like become be on your side. She did a really good job of playing everybody in that meeting. Okay, um, but it's I was just like, what, why?
1: As someone who follows a lot of people who are game, of, a lot of game of Game of Thrones. I almost said Games of Thrones, but that wouldn't have made any sense. <laughs> game of Thrones fans. It seems like every Sunday everyone's Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, cry emojis and, like, dramatic emojis and clap emojis. But then a lot of people are complaining about the show. So, like, what's going on with that?
2: It's more entertaining now, for sure, I'll say, because Mm -hmm. things happen much faster. So it's much easier to, I think, initially be like, oh, my. And I'm guilty of this, too. I'm a hypocrite. Like, I a few. I think it was like third to the ending episode, I said I didn't care that they were teleporting, but this really the second and the last episodes really did make me care. Okay. I just, it sort of started to um, chip away at me, I guess. Okay. Uh, so I think that's what it is for me and kind of looking, once you can see the whole picture and look back, it's easier to critique where the storylines were going. Um, but I do, th- I just think it was the excite. it's just the excitement factor because nobody knows what's going to happen in these episodes. Because as Andrea said, there's no more source material.
1: So shit goes down and it's dramatic and exciting. And then you like, you come down from it and then you critique it and you're like, wait. Yes. Okay. Another thing. A lot of neg- not not negativity, critiquing. But what was your favorite part of the season?
0: Um, I think my, hands down, without question, the dragons were the best part of the season. And that's why it was so expensive to shoot Game of Thrones. The CG that they did. With the dragons was impeccable. They were gorgeous. Every scene that they were in, they were the star of the show. They were in so many episodes this season, and you just couldn't get enough of them. Super majestic, and I just like I love that we've been we saw them kind of like from pre-birth when Jorah gave Daenerys the eggs as a wedding gift, and then like her journey with the eggs to where you know she put them on Drogo's funeral pyre and then they were hatched and birth and then we saw her travel with them as babies and then they went to marine and they were growing up and now they were free and her bond with Dro um Drogon?
2: No. Uh, what is the
0: name of the big one?
2: Oh my god. Uh, it does start with a D. I think it's Is it, it Drogon?
0: I think it might be the dro- Drogon. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll i I think it might be. Quick. But yeah. um just the fact that they look so amazing in every scene, and they're so powerful, it was incredibly hard to see them be vulnerable. I remember in the battle at High Garden, where Daenerys came in to attack Jamie and his army as they were looting the what was left of the Tyrells. That. You know, I think we all kind of, like, caught our breath a little bit when he took that spear to the wing. And we're like, no, you can't kill him. And then he he survived that. And then to have all three of them go north with her and have one of them fall, I mean, they did need to make the stakes high. You know, like, Steimer, you rightly criticized them for saying, hey, like there weren 't really any stakes in this season because no one really died. I mean, clearly, having one of the dragons die was a big was a big stake, and, and having him be turned into a white walker really upped the ante there. But that for me was was my favorite part, and I really also liked how the stark storyline finally kind of all came together. It was really tough seeing what that family has gone through over seven seasons of Game of Thrones. From the beginning, with Ned being beheaded, and then what happened to Catelyn Stark at the Red Wedding, and John and um, excuse Rob. me, Rob Stark, you know, and like seeing the siblings split apart and having their direwolves killed, even, you know, like all of it was really tragic. They were just like a really tragic family. And seeing these, the last of the siblings split apart and finally having them be reunited this season was a really triumphant moment. And yes. the final, kind of, you know, culminating in the final scene with Littlefinger, where you think, I mean, I didn't really think that Littlefinger was hoodwinking Arya after all she went through in bravos. I, I Not for one second did I think that she was, like, that Littlefinger was fooling her. But I was really happy to see them come together to overturn him and say, you know what, we caught you in your lies. Brand finally put his stupid powers to use. <laughs> it was like, "Hey guys, I can actually go back and look at all these really shady things that Littlefinger did." And uh, why don't you so ask like, me? Yeah, I mean, I we'll get into like the power, the problem with Brand's power in a second. But um those were my kind of favorite moments this season.
2: I want to touch on back to the Dragons. Um, because I agree, like they were like so well done, like beautiful. However, I disagree with you on that being a high stake because they didn't kill the one you cared about. Um and so I think was is it Drogon? Did you look it up? Or oh, you're looking up now. Um so Danny and um I'm waiting for Andrea to find the name to make sure I'm not saying it wrong. <laughs> dragon Man. Dragon, the black dragon, the uh they have the tightest bond. And so when they killed off kind of one of the superfluous ones, <laughs> it was like, OK, that's sad. But even her reaction to it, granted, I'm assuming she was in shock, but like it didn't seem at, as yeah, it impactful. On. OK, good. So, yeah. So, like, if I were to rewrite that scene and wanted to make it a George R. R. Martin style, the also apparently Night the Night King is a friggin Olympian. And can throw a javelin with incredible accuracy, hits a flying target out of midair, really I mean, far away. not even away. an
0: Olympian, he's superhuman, right? He's fucking right. Superman.
2: Yeah. And so instead of picking the target that is stationary, mm-hmm. and has been, and has literally all of the people you're trying to kill on it, um, I, it would just made more sense to be like, he kills Drogon. And they're all stranded on this little island. One of the other dragons swoops in, picks them up, and they all GTFO. Like, that would have made more sense to me. And then yet, I think the audience would have cared more because that's the dragon we care about. Because it's the only one we've seen because it's too expensive to put... all three CG all the time.
0: He's also the largest of the three. Like in the books, he's considered like the leader of the three yeah. of those. Megan's yeah, like the most powerful, the biggest, the biggest wingspan, like the fiercest fire, whatever. Um, and so I think maybe that's why they didn't kill him off specifically. But um, I see your point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and i'm sure how how did you feel about her reaction cuz to me i was like i kind of ex- was expecting more like she literally just saw her child
0: oh yeah i w- i was expecting full on like weeping and like i get that in the heat of the battle you got to maybe keep it together to like save yourself you're in fight or flight mode you don't have time to be sad but i would have thought afterwards and see this is what this is the thing that game of thrones suffered for this season and why they should not have shortened the season because in any other Game of Thrones season, they could have taken the time to show Daenerys mourning and grieving and the emotional process that she went through with losing one of her children instead of just having, like, a frown face and, like, a bit of a tear in her eye when she talks to Jon Snow about her dragon dying and having to be all for nothing, you know, when he, you know, in the final scene when they're at the the meet-and-greet with Cersei. Um, that they didn't get the opportunity to really explore what she went through and that loss and what that means to her, that not only is the dragon gone and it's like a huge blow to her force as from a, from a commander in chief perspective, but also like these dragons are her only children. They've been with her since they were eggs. They were a gift from Jorah. They are part of her identity and we didn't get to see her fully process what that truly means. And, that's just one of many moments that's been overlooked this whole season because they've just been running at a breakneck speed to get through as much as possible, and it's kind of to me a little bit of a travesty.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. And then um, for the Stark children, I did I loved their like you mentioned their redemption against Littlefinger at the end. I was a little irritated at the show editing though to try and set it up so hard to make you believe that Arya and sansa were like gonna be at each other's throats and um and like and you know they did it on purpose i'm like why are you just trying to straight up mislead us that's not to me good storytelling um you need to have some sort of indication there of what's going to happen coming up otherwise it just doesn't make any sense like when was when were these secret meetings happening was the meeting with aria where she was sort of threatening sansa or like being kind of weird And, like, I could cut your face off. Like, was that what was that for? Why did she do that? Because Littlefinger was nowhere around. That was not even close to being a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Something interesting I read on IGN today was that the actor who plays Bran said that they had cut a scene. And the scene that they cut, I think, would have made this so much better. So they should have kept it in. Uh, And it was basically, I think, after that meeting, Sansa has with Littlefinger... And she's like, Arya is going to kill me. That's what this, what you are essentially telling me. Uh, And she goes to Bran and it just says, she goes, I need your help. And like, that's the, that's it. That's the scene. And like, that would have made it have make so much more sense that she's reaching an escalation point with a little finger, kind of thinking something's up and then goes to Bran to fact check. And then like they all get together and take him down but the way that they had cut it this way, it just seems completely random. Hmm.
0: It's like the showrunners were trying to force some drama where, where the audience was like, listen, you're not going to hoodwink us into thinking that the Starks, who are finally reunited, who have been through so much emotional pain, are going to just suddenly turn on each other. And start like, bickering, really, right? We were supposed to believe that bullshit? yeah yeah (laughs) so
1: what's the thing with bran's power you said that you wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. it and how it's a problem okay so bran
0: is the three-eyed raven so his whole journey north of the wall was to find the three-eyed raven this mystical figure who can see everything in the past and see everything in the present and he never intended to become the Three-Eyed Raven, I think, when he originally set off on this journey with the Reeds. But now he's it. And Mira essentially gave her brother's life and Hodor's life. Well, not Mira, but like they both gave their lives and Mira almost lost her life trying to make sure the brand accomplished this and was then delivered safely back south of the Wall. And now that he's there, he's supposed to be this all-knowing, all-powerful figure. But the problem is... And comics suffer from this sometimes too um is that when you create a character who is incredibly powerful, you have to figure out some kind of narrative device to temper their power because otherwise. How what, what's to stop them from just, like, destroying or ruling everything? That's the reason why kryptonite exists, right? Because otherwise Superman would just, like, lay waste to everything on Earth because he's the most powerful being possible. He fucking stares laser beams. He can lift anything. He flies. <laughs> but he's got to have, like, weakness, right? And yeah. so, like, Bran so far hasn't been given a weakness really other than the fact that he's crippled and he can't walk, right? So that he's, um, he is... But, like, as far as a weakness goes... Is that, is that a
2: true weakness for how crazy powerful being able to see everything in the past and the present is? Here's the problem, though, Andrea. You have to assume that someone's going to listen to you. So you can know everything there is to know. But if you don't have that trusted group of people who actually believe you, you're going to think you're a crazy person just spouting off.
0: Yeah, but do you, do you actually think like, that people don't believe him, especially after what I, happened I with they, the Littlefinger scene?
2: In Winterfell they do. However, will the rest of the world is my question. And like I, I don't like seriously's not gonna believe you. Like no, like nobody out like outside of the north is gonna be like, oh cool, this guy seems to know what he's talking about. Now granted, Bran can kind of produce pieces of evidence. He can know things nobody else can know, so he can sort of prove it. Um but I just don't think that knowing everything that happened before is that power like it's great, you know history cool like and sorry,
1: no. so it's a matter of will people believe him
2: it, it's that no, and I, then also i don't I, think I, that knowing history is is it is akin to superman
0: i don't know like i don't think that it's like a, a belief in him because he can debunk that easily he can sure. say listen so I i'm just gonna said. point yep. out this exact thing that happened to you that only you know about but guess what i saw you I saw it all. I know everything. And then they'll be like, oh shit,
2: you're like the best psychic I've ever gotten my tarot cards read from. But, and you like, have a lot of those moments with Bran and Littlefinger, and they're great.
0: Yeah. I think that I think that um his role is obviously going to become much bigger in the next in the next season. But I think the questions people are asking like is well Bran was Is a three-eyed raven, he should know how they defeated the White Walkers during the long night. He should know everything else. He should be able to see this. But we did see a little bit of like a chink in the armor where Sam came to him and he was like, oh, you didn't know that I found this script? And you mean Gilly found the script or scroll that?
2: (laughs) Mm, Actually, that's debunked because he transcribed it. Gilly was just reading it. So he, Sam made that, like he transcribed that note but then Gilly was just reading it aloud. So she was reading it to the audience, but Sam did already know that information. Sorry. just No, that's saying. fine. <laughs> Thank you, Simon, for that correction.
0: <laughs> um, anyway, the point, the point being, like, you have to kind of figure out where to draw the line as to like how powerful he is. Now, one thing I do want to say is that the Night King theory that Bran is the Night King is whack. It's yeah. not realistic. Hmm. Even the actor himself calls the theory far-fetched. So I wouldn't hold... I don't, I don't think anybody else should hold his breath or her breath that Bran is going to become <laughs> or or is all along has been the Night King. I don't think that that's a thing.
2: He also mentions in that article you're referencing um, though, a, a sort of explanation as to why he didn't know about the marriage. And he was like... Imagine you've just been you've had every like encyclopedia downloaded into your brain. Yes, the information's there, but you're not sure where to look for it, or like you need to have some sort of direction in order to use this power. You can't just be like, oh, "I want to know everything that there is to know." But when Sam is like, "No, he He's did not this like the fifth element exactly <laughs> 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 So you know when he when, when Sam gives him that clue and that trigger, he can go to that place. And that, I think, unlocks the name that John had.
1: So essentially, Bran is the Google
0: of Game he of Thrones. Is.
2: He is the Google. Okay. You must ask it a question. Yeah.
0: Cat videos. <laughs> exactly. Um, man, I feel like we could just keep
2: talking about this. I forever, wanted to mention but- one more thing. Yes, Steimer. Tell and me. My, my happiest moment, actually, was Jamie Lannister leaving Cersei Lannister at the end of the show. And there was a half a second for me. Slow so we'll yes, clap, clap for Jamie. For him. The
1: brother finally left the sister. Yes, like they so broke up. Yes,
2: okay. well, well, in more ways than one. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, she called him a traitor and like was threatening him with the mountain, the zombie mountain. Um, so even I knew she couldn't kill him because if she didn't kill Tyrion, there's no way she's going to kill Precisely. Jamie. Precisely. But there was still that half of a second my heart skipped a beat when the mountain like unsheathed his sword and I was like. <gasps> Like holy crap, no! And then yeah, it did, obviously it didn't pan out, but they they got me for that half second with that noise, just the sheath. steel like sliding out of the sheath. I was like, oh, no, you can't kill him. I like him. Um, but so yeah, I was like, I was I was really proud of Jamie <laughs> for standing up for himself and sort of listening to Brienne, which I found. Uh, So at the meeting that they have, Brienne essentially, she was like, fuck loyalty. Like, this is bigger than loyalty, the Night King and like all of the stuff that's coming our way. We need to be fighting for the world here. We can't be fighting for like petty reasons. So Jaime takes that course of action or really believes in that and Cersei is more still trying to politically maneuver and stay on the throne and stay in power. So she lies to everyone and says, we're going to march north with you and like fight the king with you and we're not going to ask for anything in return and aren't we so great however as jamie's like laying out these plans she walks up and she's like what are you doing and he's like doing the thing you said to do and she's like do you think i'm an idiot like we're not doing that we're actually doing this other super shady thing where we're leaving them to fight and then we're going to go take over every place that's abandoned at this point and that's what sort of like breaks Jamie and Cersei up as he's he's rightly says uh our two options here with your plan are they go north they fail the south the dead come down south and kill us all or option two they succeed they realize what we've done they come south and kill us all and I'm like yeah exactly like eh. these <laughs> This is not a good plan.
0: <laughs> no, it's terrible. And like the thing that's interesting about that scene and about Cersei and her progression as a character over the last two to three seasons is that she's like truly alone. I mean, granted, she's got Kyburn in the mountain, but they're not. She doesn't care about them. And I think this whole pregnant storyline is bullshit. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's actually pregnant. I think she's too yeah. old to be actually pregnant, especially in this like medieval setting that Game of Thrones is in. They don't have fucking electricity. Like how how <laughs> can she 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 would have had Joff- Joffrey would have been like what, like 17 or 18, <laughs> maybe even close to 20 by this point. Sorry. If he was still alive, I, 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 I want to, to be getting pregnant again. I love like, like, no, bitch, You lying but- about that. You lie about everything else. And the they don't have baby. electricity. How could you possibly be pregnant? <laughs> no, I mean, like, the point is,
2: is like... Quote of the show.
0: <laughs> most people don't live to be that old. And having a child when you're, like, in your mid to late 30s is tough enough in the modern age. In 2017, it's tough. Having it in your, like, probably, what, she's probably in her early 40s,
2: maybe late 30s. Mm, they the, got married the way younger though, no? Because she would have had she would have been married off when she was a young teenager. Right, like sixteen to sixteen to eighteen, maybe. So let's say like eighteen, she has her first kid. Joffrey's like sixteen, seventeen in the books. So,
0: okay, so let's say he's seventeen by the time when he's murdered. Yeah. So that would make her
2: She's still mid thirties. Mid thirties. Yeah. But then there's been According Mid, to the late.
0: timeline, there's been at least a couple of years that have passed between when Joffrey was murdered and then the whole thing happened with Tommen and sure. the sure. people with the Tyrells and blah, 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 blah. And we get to where we are now. Obviously, the teleportation has fucked with the timing of everything. Nobody knows. Yes, how it long has. It's we don't
2: taken. know what time it is anymore. We don't where know what we it know. is.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's just hypothetically say sure. that she's like 35. Like that. Old old age of thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> is it physically possible? i like pregnant? she's of like thirty seven. Is sure. it likely? No, it's not likely. Yeah. Also, she and Jamie have only hooked up like a couple times. She would yeah, be well, like the, the most fertile person in all of Westeros. Fertile she Myrtles immediately exist. Really got pregnant. The thing that
2: also, how, how do you know you
0: got pregnant? Huh? She's you want know, right. you to well, yeah, your stomach in and your day, yeah. In right? Your yeah, right? You are like, mm, I feel Did the. Did you pee on a stick?
2: <laughs> like what? <laughs> but um my thing is that as you mentioned earlier with Danny, she cannot like she cannot get pregnant because of a reason. And so because of a reason I was dumb. You know what I mean? Like there's a Blood canonical magic. I can't say that word very well, reason as to why she can't get pregnant. But there's also one for Cersei, and that is the prophecy that um was told ding, ding, about ding, ding, her. Ding. And it said she will have three children. They will all have golden hair. Golden will be their cra- crowns and golden will be their shrouds, I believe is the quote. Uh, so basically, you'll have three kids. They'll be uh, crowned and then they're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs>
0: sorry. Yeah. And the prophecy also says that she's going to get killed by her brother.
2: <laughs> the younger brother, which could be either Jaime or Tyrion. Them. Yes. Because Jamie was born right after her.
0: So I have to imagine that it's going to be Jamie that kills her because they're setting it up to like have her have this epic fall. And you can tell that he is slowly starting to see her for the monster that she is. I really liked the scene, this season between Olena and Jamie mm. when he
2: gives her the poison. Oh my God, such a baller scene.
0: Oh God, it was so good, right? And she's just like, she's truly a monster. You have to see her for that, right? And Jamie, you can see Jamie kind of take pause and be like, is she a monster? She kind of is a monster, isn't she? But yeah. he, he doesn't obviously admit that to Olena. He has no reason to. But Jamie clearly sees that, especially when he gets back. And then she pulls the how dare you, you know, like go against me or or, or betray me because of the meeting that Braun set up between Tyrion and Jamie, which clearly Jamie didn't know about. It's not like Jamie was like was like, Hey Braun, set up this secret meeting with like the brother that I'm
2: trying to actively execute. You know? She even says that. She literally says, I know you didn't know about it. But it's still tre- like it's still treason anyway. And we are like, wait, what? Like, you knew he didn't know what he was going into, but you're still, like, calling him treacherous and, like, a betrayer and, like, all of this stuff? Like, is it because you didn't drag him into your chambers and ha- let you behead him immediately? Like, what? Yeah, it's...
0: Man, the Lannisters... <laughs> I-, I don't see a world in the Game of Thrones universe where they're at in the series where the Lannisters can make a comeback. I really don't. No. There's just no way that... I mean, Cersei has pulled almost all of the cards out of her sleeve at this point. <laughs> like, she doesn't really have anything left. It's like, I mean, sure, your crossbow thing, the dragon burned. That didn't work out. Nope. Um, you kind of had to cave at your meeting because the, the the dragons. And like, sure, you've got, you know, we've got Eurons hypothetically sailing, to pick up this mercenary army and bring them back to Westeros and she's like oh the iron bank is at my side and i'm like yeah but the iron bank is they all they care about is who's got the money and after they take the money that you've paid them back it's not like you have extra money to take out another loan with
2: yep. you know you are literally putting yourself back in debt for a move that's probably not even going to benefit you Cersei's
0: credit score is fucked man <laughs>
2: she cannot <laughs> buy a house i don't know what she's thinking
0: <laughs> yeah there's no electricity
2: well no, don't get hung not. up on that brit no that
0: was, anyway, so funny. It was a funny Say thank that you for good. being so patient brit and listening to steimer and i rant and i know that alexa no. wanted to be part of this conversation and, and it's unfortunate that she is you know ill this week and she couldn't but um maybe we can you know have another discussion about it predictions um, for next season Well, the next season's not coming until 2019. Wait, really?
2: Did they confirm that?
0: They said 2018. I think it's 18 months is the technical. No, Mm -hmm. they didn't confirm. They did not Mm -hmm. confirm a time frame at all. Is that normal for that long? No, it's not. But here's the problem is that the, the production of each of these final episodes, so there's only going to be six episodes in the final season of Game of Thrones, and the showrunners have said that each episode is going to be probably 70 to 90 minutes in length, potentially even longer. So we're talking about, like, feature film length productions for six episodes. They're essentially making six movies. movies.
1: So is next season the last season?
0: Yes, it's the last yes. season. Uh, to be
1: friends. Okay.
0: So that's why it's going to take a really long time, because they're like, yo, making one movie usually takes, like, two to four years. Making oh. six movies, that's a long time. Oh, I feel bad for you yeah. guys. Like, that must be really rough. Well, the rougher part is that there are speculation from, you know, movie people out there, critics and people who, like, have been covering the movie business, that they're going to kind of do what Harry Potter did and potentially split episodes and then do theatrical releases. So the idea that I heard floated when I was on Fanboys earlier this week, I. Had the opportunity to uh, meet up with Jeff and Marcus over on Fanboys, which is twitch.tv slash twitch is where it airs. Um, And they said that uh, Jeff floated his theory that the first four episodes will air on HBO as normal. And then the last two, I think he said, will air be a theatrical release. Ooh, Hmm. you actually have to go to a movie theater to watch. That's going to be such a clusterfuck
2: i would only do that for one like yeah. i would be like you the know finale. if it was the last episode the final sure the final yeah episode. but two is too much there's too many times of me going to the theater oh you would go but man those ticket sales <laughs>
1: So that'd be such a cluster i can only imagine the theaters would be sold out Ugh, whatever i mean i wouldn't be surprised this game of thrones is a pretty big deal you, yeah. they can probably do whatever they want
0: they will make millions and millions hey who am i who am i kidding? I would be there at midnight, the day it opens. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I would love to see Game of Thrones on a big screen. Yeah. Would, would 100% love that.
2: Hmm. So This has been very insightful.
1: It's entertaining. Maybe I know enough now to watch the next season.
2: Sort of. Give us a Rip. recap of what you know now. I would love to start a watch or, or, or like a, a, a
0: viewing with you wherever you're at. If you want to start from the beginning, if you want to start from where you left off, I'm happy to go back and watch more because this this series is one of the best te- television series of all time. Hands down, without question. I don't care if you read the books or didn't read the books. Like The production of this series is just so phenomenal. And as the a fantasy fan, this season? I couldn't be more pleased because it's so easy to get fantasy literature wrong when you you know convert it to a different medium, whether it be a television miniseries or a movie or a video game it 's so easy to 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 muck it up and they really did an excellent excellent job so hats off to HBO and all of the work and the production they did. they deserve every Emmy they 've ever won
2: there and i go. also Andrea like the close this season like they 've been off the charts amazing in my opinion
0: yes like new levels of amazing there was some slow yeah. periods in the middle there yeah but you brought yeah. them back around just keep bringing those dragons into every scene you possibly can I <laughs> care how expensive it is do it all right ladies and gentlemen thank you for hanging with us here at the was Good games podcast um, please go to whatsgoodgains.com if you are listening to this and you are at PAX actively. Maybe you're listening to it while you're waiting in the queue Hall to get into the show floor or maybe you're not and you want to learn about what's happening at PAX. You can find out what we're up to over there um, and um, I don't know. I think, I think that's it. I think, that's, I think we're done. done We're done-ski. Yeah, we have Where, PAX. Do you have anything else to add? No,
1: I'm just excited to do packs with you ladies. I know. I get to hug you both I know. I get to see you all tomorrow, which will be fun. We get to recap this next week. technically
0: yesterday for everybody listening. Oh, yeah. Sorry. True. Sorry. (laughs)
1: But yeah, (laughs) it'll be great. I'm very much looking forward to it. And I'm excited to talk about it on the podcast next week, too. And we can recap it. Yay, team. It's
0: going to be great. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic Labor Day weekend. We will see you next week.